Hi there, and welcome back to the Community Strategy Podcast. My name is Deb Shell. I'm a creator turned community builder. After launching my online community in 2020, I have a passion for online events and bringing people together. I now consult business owners and leaders just like yourself who have a message, their life's work, or a vision for helping others transform through their online courses, cohorts, or memberships. On this interview style podcast, you'll hear conversations with community leaders, passion for bringing people together online. Our goal is to provide you with interesting conversations to inspire you to build, launch, and grow an online community with energy, confidence, and purpose. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Deb, and welcome back to the Community Strategy Podcast. This is a special episode that I have decided to host just with me today. So there's no guest, but what I'm going to talk about is the CMX Summit that happened uh, last week as I'm recording this now on September the 21st, which is actually International Peace Day as well. Um, I'm sharing with you the notes and uh, thoughts that I have from the last uh, two, the, the, the two days during the CMX Summit. So I don't know if you're familiar with CMX, so I'll give you a basic background with, you know, you can look up CMX later, but basically I've been a part of the CMX Slack channel and community for basically the last two years. I've met several people through CMX, but basically it's a it's a network to connect other community builders together. Uh, most of who those people are, are building communities for organizations or companies. And so they're hired as, and that's their job to be a community manager and they work full-time or maybe part-time um, growing online communities for either organizations, nonprofits, startups, or, uh, or larger enterprise companies. And so what happens is these um, connect chapters that are all over the world that CMX hosts brings together these community builders. And, and so they've had an event um, ever since they started, I guess, I, I can't remember the exact dates, but um, this is the first live in-person event that CMX had, and they hosted it in San Francisco. And I didn't go in person, but I attended virtually. So that's the uh, recap I'm gonna do for you today is around my virtual experience. So I will tell you the first, the first big takeaways I'm gonna share was they had some really great speakers. There was amazing conversations in the chat of the virtual uh, attendees, as well as um, people that were in person that connected later. Um, let me see what else do I wanna say about that. Um, so I did notes and I did them live. And so then I was sharing them with people. And so I'll go over a little bit of my notes with you. Um, it kicked off from a virtual aspect what I, my entry point was when uh, Derek Anderson, who's the um, co-founder of he was in working with the startup grind it was his first venture into community building. <clears throat> and he um, is actually the co-founder of Bevy uh, who bought CMX a few years back. And he talked about um, how community is impactful in the world today. And um, he said, when you need someone, you should treat them as if they are in serious trouble. And each community has lives that can be positively impacted. And he said, we're in this together. Uh, I think that's really 
an important statement to make um, that, you know, you don't know how people come into a room, whether it's in person or virtual, you don't know what baggage they're bringing with them with their personal experiences. And so knowing that we could assume you shouldn't assume anything. <laughs> My stance is we never assume things. But I think what he's getting with with this is that you don't know what a person's life is or what's happening with them. So community builders are people who are welcoming no matter where you come from, no matter what your circumstances are. And having the expectation that you know nothing about somebody and giving them the the benefit of saying, this person might be having a really hard day. So I want to make sure I help them and support them versus, you know, coming to them with my objective or my mission or my, you know, what I want to talk about. And I think that's the basis of, of being a really great communi communicator and a community builder is, is to have that ability to see the fourth foresight of you know, maybe not everybody is in the same place I'm at. And so I really want to be cautious about how I approach people, making sure that I feel like I generally can relate to them and say, I want to, you know, meet you where you're at, basically. So expanded on that just a little bit too much. But anyway, that was my thought there when he said that. Um, Savannah Peterson did an amazing job as the uh, in-person MC. She had lots of energy. She was very funny. Uh, I had little quips and funny things that she was talking about. Um, <clears throat> she was uh, amazing at just keeping it flowing through the event. Um, <clears throat> the first speaker was Priya Parker. <clears throat> Obviously, the highlight of the conference, I think, from what everybody else <clears throat> has said. She talks a lot about how it's changed from when we gathered <clears throat> before the pandemic. It, it clearly has changed. Groups are complicated, she says. Groups are complicated and community is complicated. Being a community leader is hard. <clears throat> she commends people who take this task on. And I think that's a big, um, a big note that a lot of people are kind of dismissing right now because there's so many tools and apps and hacks and things to do um, that people can assume. And I think a lot of people do assume that community building is really easy when it's, it's just not, it's, it's very, it's very, you have, there are certain people that have strengths around building connections and, and elevating people and empowering others. And that is a very amazing strength that community builders have. I want to do an article on that as well at some point. <laughs> Soon. Um, anyway, so she talks about how it is challenging and it can be complicated. And, and a lot of people actually make it more complicated. And I think that's just the world we live in is that it seems like there's so many things that overcomplicate. Um, she said, the biggest challenge at the end of the day we all have as community builders is how to get people to show up. That's it. If, if you know, there's more to it than that, but I'll say like the, that's the biggest challenge that a lot of community builders are facing right now is how do we just get people to show up to these events if we're going to do virtual ones or in-person ones? How do we get to show that, get them to show up inside in a community and engage? How do we get them to show up? Um, how do we close that gap is what she's kind of um, bringing to light here. Um, 
most people don't aren't trained on how to actually facilitate these conversations, even if you've had formal training. They don't teach um, how to better relate to people, especially now, and everything keeps changing so fast. It's very hard to keep up. Um, she talks about a group is just three people, you know? Um, it doesn't have to be a thousand people. It doesn't have to be 500 people or 50 people. It could be a group of five or 10. And actually, it's actually great to build relationships by starting small. She mentions that as well. Um, what do we need? What's required, um, you know, to get together? Like she talks about a dinner party gathering and what do you need? What do you need to have? Um, conversation. You need to have people. You need to also have people that feel safe and have and give them permission. And so those are all ways to um, think about, she talks about the gathering in the space, the physical space, the culture, the environment, and, and how to cultivate gathering in these spaces. Um, she talks about how the world changed with the pandemic. And when you decide to connect, convene, decide on how to interact as well as what experiences you want to have and you want to be a part of. Um, her notable quotes here, uh, what do we think, what do we want to bring through? What is it we want to do going forward? Just having that thought process in mind. Um, she said the pandemic was a massive interruption to our entire social, political, and economic structure. But what, what it did for us was force us to change how we gather. Uh, she talks about weddings and just how people met differently during the pandemic. And it helped us align with people who we all who we want to hang out with. And, and, you know, it made us question, like, you know, who are we spending our time with? Where are our communities at? Like, who, where is our community? Uh, she talks about some mistakes, to, uh, things to avoid is assuming, assuming the purpose is shared or obvious. I think the biggest thing I worked with clients on is people said, well, they should know. No, nobody knows. Nobody knows anything. You have to very much handhold and tell people up front and be very clear and stop overcomplicating uh, the experience. Uh, she said, we learned to keep it simple. Um, she gave some examples and I went into a little bit more detail there, but she brought it home, which is saying community is community. It's not a hack. Um, but how can we hack the technology to bring us, bring people together? Um, for purpose and not, not just for, um, not just for transactions, but for purpose and like providing a way for people to align with that mission that you have as a creator or founder or leader of a community and aligning that with, uh, what the participants want to do and allowing them, how do, how do we connect those dots for them to be seen, valued, and heard? So those are all kind of looping back there. Um, then the next thing I attended uh, after Priya Parker's session was the virtual stage, why community needs to be a heart of your customer success strategy. And uh, this was with uh, uh, Kenneth, um, I don't know how to say his last name, Refsgard uh, from Insighted. And he talks about the customer experiences transition to the customer success manager uh, term. And he talks about is the response just to hire more customer service managers or what is the, what, how does community factor into customer success? 
He said um, some of the challenges are to solve the fragmented experience across digital resources, uh, establish effective one-to-many communication channels, manage product feedback uh, effectively, and um, reach all users, not just ones in specific funnels. Uh, so talks about expanding. How do we include more people? I think is really what he's talking about. Um, you know, he talks about communities now a top strategic priority for B2B SaaS companies and customer service organizations. Um, community can, becomes a hub for everything for the community customer needs. They can find and meet each other that are using the same software. They can get the answers fast to solve the problems that they experience. They can also attend events to learn more about upcoming software improvements, new features and functions to the software. Um, so, and then he gives 10 steps for the community um, at heart uh, with having the heart of customer success. He says, start with small team, uh, just smart, small. Um, what does your the community do? What's the purpose? Talking about like alignment with business goals and purpose. Um, you don't need to solve everything from the start, he mentions. Aligning your uh, CS goals to the community use cases. Focus on uh, the support needed and what is most beneficial for the company and the community. Um, so supporting the customers will improve your customer experience, right? So how do we solve those two problems? Number three, use community to break down silos. Uh, again, just uh, providing a, a more... Uh, accessible communication experience for um, all of the customers by uh, community can touch all sorts of departments, um, aspects like programming with teams, discussing breaking down walls between other departments like sales and marketing, product uh, development, as well as um, background IT teams, bringing those people together and having conversations right from the beginning around how does community incorporate with all of these other teams and departments. Um, get enterprise community capabilities, focus on the building of the community, not just the platform, Let the team and community platform experts support you. Think about what you'll need over time and do the project in phases. Uh, that's a great point to say that you don't need to do and you shouldn't do everything all at once. You should phase in your project. So, you know, maybe you don't have the 10 features that you really want to have from day one. You have two features, two functions, you have two goals, you know, and that's to get members there and to have it start filling, filling some conversations. Um, and then maybe later you do events or maybe later you do other aspects of like courses or, you know, other kinds of content. Um, but you don't need content from the start. We always talk about that in the Community Strategy Podcast here is you don't need a whole lot of content to get started. What you need is a core group of people, your ideal members, and you need to find those people first and talk with them about how they want to connect inside an online space before you even talk about all of this content that you're going to create or somebody's going to create for you uh, before you even know if that content is needed, useful, or, or going to be um, consumed. And then let's see what else performance we talked about oh, position your community at the heart of uh, the journey. So in a central online destination of your community, you make everything easy for them to find that they need um, connect your CRM and CS tools, uh, adding the valuable content uh, to your data from your customers will give you the tools and support around 
um, the other arms of the business, the other um, product feedback and all that good stuff. Incorporate community into your playbook. So uh, consider community pl community's place in all of your processes. Um, how can the community support other aspects, your product team, your uh, feedback loops for products and features, improvements with customer service, um, reducing support tickets, all of those things. Uh, then he says, blend online and offline engagements with customers, bring online events, promotions, pre, pre and post event engagement and networking during the event, customer roundtables, as well as industry discussions with groups offline. So he's encouraging more um, maybe hybrid approach. So having, you know, in-person engagements and online ones and how do those converge and connect? So that's a good uh, tip there. Embrace community for all segments. Um, think about different ways to reach different segments of your core customers or clients. And then measure and report on the real value. Uh, evaluate the data demonstrating the value of the community is providing for the company and how the community supports engagement, product feedback, customer service, and providing the valuable on what is valuable for the business. So he talked about that. He said, uh, what is needed for a community team, uh, just to focus on the strategy first, to have a good plan is the most important part. That's what we talk here a lot about on the Community Strategy Podcast. Uh, making sure you cover your basics uh, with what your customers need first, align your strategy and structure with the needs of the business, and make sure to do research and reporting. We talk about that a lot as well. Um, then there was a session that I attended. So the next session, so I finished that session, the next session I did, I'm going to skip through some of these. I'm just going to share some uh, highlights. There was some really great, um, conversations around lessons with community building in Africa and Europe. The highlight there was just to talk about, you know, there are different ways that different cultures connect and consume. So if you are hosting an international community or, or an international brand, uh, thinking about the messaging differently and how community members connect differently um, or receive messages differently based on where they're at geographically in the geographic regions. <laughs> uh, and so he said um, there was two people on that session. It was Jepta and uh, I think her name is Athera, Athera, uh, might say that wrong, and I'm sorry if you're hearing this. And they talked a lot about um, just those shared experiences in the thriving community. Everyone has a part to play, and we want to make sure that everyone has a strong vision and structure for the community. Um, they, she says we started gradually building a community that provides um, members with comments that are picked up and shared with our customers on the blog and partnering with marketing. Um, so they, br they brought all the p different departments together. Jephthah says in Africa, there's more focus on people using um, smartphones. So just that user experience would be different if you have a mobile app versus a desktop app only. And in the UK, there's an individual sense of what community means versus um, a cultural sense in Africa where, where they have, you know, more formal, they're, they're used to community being communal with people um, versus a personal experience with an online community. Uh, so those are some of the highlights from that session. Then there was a session with 
Laura Nestor, VP of Community at Reddit. This was one of my favorite, actually, the one of the top favorite um, of both days. I think this was my second favorite uh, session. And Laura really broke down <laughs> that community is just, let's, how do we just get right to the point? <laughs> let's stop making it complicated. Um, focus on less and get to do more. Um, she talked about just keeping it practical and simple. Um, sometimes work gets in the way and we really just need to be practical, tac uh, tracking the metrics of what we're doing in the moment and get out of the weeds of confusion and overcomplication. Uh, just yes or no. And if not, let's optimize for it. You know, like just really getting back to the foundations of community building. She said, um, companies have a hard time giving up control, and sometimes that's why they have a hard time with community, because community is about letting go. Community is about um, giving over that control. If you aren't going to give up the control, she says, it's going to be opaque. Um, you don't need a set of fancy tools to solve problems. You just want to have build relationships and understand what problems there are so that you can then provide the solution. Um, people get caught up in resources. Um, you have to get volunteers to host worldwide events and to solve real problems, but you can also so solve them uh, in different ways. But the tools are not the thing, like the platform, not the thing. That's what she talks about. So I really love that. Some great, great tips there. Um, and then the other session I attended here was Richard Millington. He went into a lot of data and talked about um, prioritizing the health of a community and how do you identify that? And I guess the big takeaway for me here was really about understanding members better. <laughs> and to understand them better, you have to talk to them. <laughs> so I talk a lot about this with the ideal member interviews. Um, he talks about attitude and behavior. Um, attitude data is the best data because it's brand attitude, brand perception, brand preference, and quality of life. Um, some questions he said was, how has the community influenced your likelihood to utilize the product? So these are questions to ask your community members. How has the community influenced your results if they're using some of your products as a community, um, if you're a support community? How many times has the community saved you from having to call or make a customer support ticket? Um, those are some of the ways to measure some of the value, but there's just still a lot of challenges as far as like, how do you me measure the actual value of a community's worth? And it's not just numbers and it's not just um, lowering tickets. It's really about how is it's giving the power to those community members to say, what do you really want to tell us so that we can make our product or service better for you? I think that's a way of, of seeing that. Um, then the, another session that I, there is a lot of sessions, so I will try to, to zip through some of these. I'm just going to pull out some highlights from a few different ones here. I'm not going to highlight every one that I attended, but I uh, will tell you uh, the creator, uh, the getting rid of the future of creators was very interesting as a creator myself, writing a book called Community, Creator to Community Builder, by the way. 
Um, it's still crowdfunding. So if you could please support the book, that would be super helpful for me. Um, if you found value from anything I'm doing and really think that um, you've been helped by the community strategy podcast, or when you, if you are a member of the Find Calm Here community, or if you found value with my notes, any of any or any of those things or other reasons why you'd want to support me would be greatly helpful. Okay, off of the the platform, begging pedestal, <laughs> um, back to community. So she, uh, her name is Celine, and I'm not even going to attempt to say her last name. But she's a community manager uh, with Canva, the German uh, Canva um, chapter. Uh, and she talks about who creators are and where their market share is. So 4.2 billion social media users of those 500 million are passion, what she titles passion economy users, and then 2 million are in there are creators. And so she terms that the difference between a passion economy user is somebody who is um, consuming content that is being created, but maybe not investing in it. And creators are actually finding ways to monetize their creation. And so she talks about there, you know, that there's a lot of creators out there that are starting to make really real money, um, and that's amazing as a creator to hear. As well as how do we work with creators and support them in the space of online? Um, how can brands support creators? So here's something I want to talk about <laughs> um, as a creator myself, as somebody who is building, constantly building content. And somebody who's not an app developer, I'm not somebody who's creating my own product or service in the sense of development. I'm using the tools that are out there and I'm trying to navigate the best tools for me to use that are going to fit what I need to do in my own business. Any service software platform that gives me the ability to earn some money by talking about their product is going to definitely garner my interest, my attention. So if you have an affiliate program, if you support, if I'm talking about your brand and there's a way for me to have a revenue sharing opportunity, those programs are going to encourage creators to share your product or service. So Making it really easy for creators to do that is a game changer. They're like, we just said the number. What did it, what did it say? 200 million creators, 200 million creators is what she said, are actually trying to reach audiences and probably using your product or service. If you're a software developer, how do you? get more growth, encourage creators by paying them for their time, by sharing, when they share their, your message, that's them promoting your brand. So that's a big deal. <laughs> I'll just say that and leave it there. Cause I have a lot of other thoughts on that, but I'll leave it there for now. Um, but she did talk about just how amazing it is to be in the space of being a creator and a community manager and how 
um, these two concepts collide and intersect. Um, community of creators, she talks about um, if you have a community within a community, so a community uh, for creators specifically. I've seen this with, um, uh, what is the, what is the one thing I want to say? Um, Matador Network, ha I mean, I know that that's not really a community platform, but I'll just say Matador Network has a really nice creator space where they give a lot of resources. As a writer, as somebody who does freelance travel writing, they have some really great resources on the back end for creators to tips on how to pitch for stories and press trips and things like that. Um, so she talks about leveraging partnerships with creators to help your brand. Uh, it takes time to build online communities, um, a company with a creator program. And she says there's two different kinds, a company with a creator program or companies that have, or creators that have their own communities. Um, and then the need for the need to create and grow partnership with creators is she has five components there. Um, they need a community manager, a budget, a platform, uh, engagement tactics, and content delivery. So if you're going to offer a community for your creators who are maybe your brand ambassadors to connect, uh, to support each other, to offer a space for them to like see what's working as far as bringing referrals in, how are people incentivizing their programs to make sure that they're getting their affiliate revenue that they need. If you're talking about something like that, then those are some of the things that she recommends, having um, a, a dedicated community manager for the, that group of creator subset of people, and then having content delivery directly for those people. I think Circle also does this pretty well because they send out specific, uh, just recently I got an email from Circle about their new upcoming seminar and um, how I can promote it as an affiliate. The other thing I would mention here is um, she talks about the apps that brands need and how creators are creating their own content and hosting spaces for them to speak directly. Disciple does this well, uh, as well as um, Circle, in allowing consultants to have workshops to talk about community building. So I'll highlight those two. Those are really great spaces as well. Okay, so next we have uh, John Cantrella. He's with Meta. He talks about community economy from the business from business to creators. And he talks about the creator economy and this concept that instead of working for others, these creator communities are being supported by Meta through, he said, they've supported these creators through movement, creating impact and helping them make change. Um, he said communities bring joy to others, which we know. And he said the most successful companies and creators build things that they care about, they can connect with and have a meaningful impact. Um, he mentions around some surveys and reports that they did. And he says, focusing on community first is more than making a, is more than a marketing tactic. It's a strategic advantage, which I thought was a really great quote that he said. 
um, because that just means community is a game changer. And we know this, but uh, I think it's very challenging to uh, get uh, buy-in. Like what we talk about always is getting buy-in from leadership. Or if your community is your own, uh, buy-in would be actually getting people to sign up for your course or join your membership. And um, if you're selling that, those would be but you would be selling to consumers versus B2B. Um, the thing that I thought was interesting that he mentioned is the minute that you look at community as capital, you are dead in the water. And I thought that was interesting because I do see that there's this trend or flip coming around with, you know, community monetization. Is this, you know, where does it fall? Where is it prioritized that we talk about how is it valuable? Is it meaningful? Should we be charging for community? Should it be open and free? Um, I think those are really interesting conversations to have right now. I think it's challenging. One of the things I talked with about a few other leaders in the space is everybody knows community is super valuable, but what we can't seem to figure out is who's paying for it. Because at the end of the day, somebody has to build the space, somebody has to create the space, somebody has to manage the space and, and create this cultivating of, of conversations. And what one thing I've learned is that everybody's time is valuable and we only have a certain amount of time each day. And we don't know when our clock is going to run out, clearly. So that means we want to make the most of each day that we live as human beings. And we don't necessarily want to be working at jobs that we don't like anymore. That's <laughs> become relevant with this whole great resignation, which I, you know, I quit my job before, <laughs> before all this started. But I'll just say that it's an interesting conversation that I'm looking forward to having more of in the future. I'll stop there. Uh, then Stephanie, um, from the head of global community and customer advocacy at Alassian, um, she talked, she had an interesting, a really interesting talk about the fact of there's, there's deficit or there's challenges to having too much segmentation. Um, she said one of the lessons that she learned was about you know, not segmenting too much too fast or too soon without and without validating with other members um, by splitting out community uh, sections um, without asking the members around like what bucket do you want to be in or where you want to be placed. Um, just moving them somewhere um, isn't cool. And so you always want to ask your members if you already have an existing community you're talking about you know, reformatting that or reframing it in some way, like making sure the members um, are aware of all the changes and, and you're talking with them and getting feedback from them. And then she talks about being transparent um, and just being honest about, you know, when challenges happen as a community leader or a business, like just be honest with the community members. And that shows that you trust them enough to be able to share those things with them. Uh, what else did she talk about? These are focused on building measurable programs. So telling the ROI story is tied to authenticity of user experience. Um, she says thinking about community gatherings differently uh, by knowing 
the people in your community <laughs> through ideal member interviews again, uh, help the members help the members make the dreams come true. Help the members make the dreams come true. Build programs and other platforms if needed, and show up for your culture and your region. So she's talking about getting to know your people better and understanding where they're at and and meeting them where they are. How can we make their lives easier? Uh, she talks about and uh, getting buy-in. Speaking going back to this uh, concept of getting buy-in for community founders and leaders, um, they understand the importance. We need to remind them it's more than just about data. It's about people. So as community leaders, we have these day-to-day experiences with members that we could talk about, but then when we show reports to management or this, like I'm not in this role, but I know from examples of things that I've heard that you would ask, they would provide a report of most active members or, you know, if there's conversions to website clicks or purchases or things like that, those would be metrics that would be a community manager's role to provide to leadership so that they know that here's why, here's that this is how it connects to our business values and mission and purpose. But it's more than that, right? Not everything can be measured in a number. Um, so she shares about weekly wow moments, um, sharing like the state of the community, saying, hey, here's you know, what's been happening, giving that personal and storytelling aspect, kind of like bringing them into the community and and like saying, hey, this is what's happening inside. Um, Let members define the community and what they stand for and then tell leadership, here's what the community members are saying. So that was that session. And then I'm going to, I'm going to finish up here. I've got, this is only day one, by the way, so far. Um, I'll recap two more things, then I'll go to day two, and then I'll close out. So I'll say the uh, other session that I did was with Todd Nielsen. He's with Clock Tower Advisors. He's one of my partners, and I've been working really closely with Todd the last few months. He talks about talent communities and how a talent community could be something to think about when you are talking about improving your Um, onboarding and recruiting process. And he also talks about how it could solve a lot of the problems that recruiters face today um, with getting to know clients better, having better fit with role fit and how a community could solve that problem. The, um, let's see. So that was the, those were the highlights from day one. There was a lot more again, but I'll just, I'll just skim through (laughs) so I can get to day two for you real quick. Um, and day two uh, was really interesting as well. There was some great conversations around developer communities. My favorite session from day two was the growth and deeper engagement through diversity with um, a few a few people who were on a panel that spoke around this topic of diversity. One of the speakers um, had mentioned around Diversity has been the key intersection uh, with community building and sharing the approach to diversity and inclusion in a community can offer ideas on how to increase diversity inside your company in general. Um, broader reach and deeper engagement for meaningful conversations can can be sim- as simple as um, looking at your yourself first and saying, 
where are you, where are you stepping from in the world and and what's where are the things that you see most challenging and um separating your personal and your professional life um and then realizing how that intersects how your personal and professional life intersects is one thing that that was mentioned as well as um just bringing more intentionality and purpose and understanding language and terms um, knowing what's important to tap into with specific industries and what, when what's the way to bring more diversity in, in, into that industry. Uh, examples about, the, she brought an example about the construction industry and how others um, speak, it, you know, there's underrepresented groups there as far as women goes. And so, you know, how do you bring up these underrepresented groups is just by speaking to them and, and, uh, intentionally bringing these these voices to light uh let's see so that was a really good talk so if you do uh, have an opportunity to listen to some of the recordings that are going to come out here i would say definitely check out the diversity uh topic uh that was a really great um that was a really great conversation i would encourage you one of the quotes here I think her name is uh, Abola, Ab Abaya. <laughs> I'm going to mess the names up so much, but she said, I would encourage you to know that belonging doesn't take a, take place in a bubble. It's not just one person's responsibility to ensure that others feel like they aren't alone. Don't like others don't feel like they are alone. So it's everybody's responsibility. And sometimes that feels challenging for people, but I would just say like, just let's just all be come to it with a openness, with openness around each other, wanting to learn more. And then let's see, I think, and there were some more conversations around um, diversity. So there's some good talks there. And so then my friend Ilker did a session on community consultancy and talked about the framework and, and background around what it looks like to, to be a consultant, the space there and what that might look like. Learning to be a lifelong learner. <laughs> I know that for true. <laughs> as well as um, being flexible, diligent and disciplined and having uh, good work ethics are really important, he said. Um, and then I mentioned about the community consultants collective, and that's a group that I lead that meets on the first Wednesday of each month. And we have different talks from different community leaders there. It's been a really nice session that we've been meeting about a year now. Um, and then I attended some web three conversations, which were really interesting because I know nothing about web three. So, <laughs> uh, just diving into this, like first starting to learn about what that might look like. And what I learned was, it's kind of still all getting figured out <laughs> as I don't know the value of spending a lot of time in web three just yet. If you're in the community space, like if you're new, I would say focus on web two, uh, unless you're, you know, working for a company that's going to pay you to learn the strategies around web three. I think there's some challenges there. Oh, and then there was a really great talk with, um, Morgan Wood, who's a community strategist with Hybrate, and Melissa Kirby, director, executive director at Girl Up. They talked about how to um, 
increase the number of women in leadership roles across the board because we really, um, she put some really crazy um, statistics, 62% of C-suite positions are held by white men compared to 20% taken up by white women, greater than 13% occupied by men of color and a mere 4% by women of color. So women make up 47.7% of the global workforce, but only 27.1% of women are managers or leaders. Uh, so she brings some really interesting stats around women. And of course we know this, but it's, it's, it's just like, how do we encourage more women to step up to these roles? And I think it's just empowering them as, as we speak with with women and and other and fellow women for me and as we speak to people making sure that everybody it's not impossible to get to these positions and in fact you should definitely be working if that's a goal of yours to be in one of these roles then um we're championing you <laughs> for sure uh then the uh the last session i think it's the last session that i Having community programs must be created around delivering an outsized amount of impact for both participants and the business to justify the time, investment, and resources. Uh, so really validating what the outcome is going to be from your participants and what the outcome is for the business. Um, reflect often and give Reflect often on your give versus take balance, check in with what you're asking and make sure the timelines fit. There's some tips that she recommended. She gave some examples about Patreon's um, programs and Discord programs, partner programs that, that she reviewed over. And she said, one of the ways for you to know when, if it's the right time to launch, you need to consider these things before you think about launching a new program. Do you have your mission and vision? Are they aligned? with communities, mission and vision. Um, what's the annual roadmap say and the OKRs and goal setting? Where's the headcount on the organization chart? Like, do you have processes down? Are there big strategic bets that you're placing? Like, let's look at those and then, and then decide, is this a right time for our program? I think that's a really good step to just ask questions before you launch. I think as creators, for sure, we're just like, let's do a new program. <laughs> and it can be really challenging when we're facing that, right? And then the other thing here is um, there's a formula. She says, get to and buy. And what she means by that is, what do I need to get to do what and buy when? So thinking about like, what do I need to get together to accomplish? And then what's the goal? And then what's the date? So assigning this program formula will help you gather what the tools and resources that you need, establish a timeline and the goals and outcomes. And then she says about the, um, community programs could be looking like super user programs, gamified programs, or customer um, programs uh, to in increase engagement or active members. Um, there's also programs that she mentioned around uh, measuring the success. And she talks about the best incentives that spark the deepest engagement are often intrinsic or scalable recognition, giving back and growth. So just thinking about 
how you can serve your community members. Again, how do you serve your community members the best? And how can you have fun in the process? Let's talk about having more fun. I think, I think, you know, communities should be fun. And so let's figure out how we can make this more fun. So if you're interested in my notes, I did post a link on LinkedIn. There are some resources there. I think the biggest takeaways to just to recap here for me are there's a lot of transition in the community industry right now. And I think the biggest challenges as a creator is, is who's, you know, how do we figure out the monetary and how is that connected to the purpose and mission? If there's a business organization, they clearly have a mission of selling more products or services. How is that? What does that look like in, in the landscape of online business for smaller businesses or creators? Um, there's conversations around like we should have free communities, but then what's the value and how do, there, there are so many community platforms. I'll say this. Number one, there's like community platforms all over the place. It's going to be really interesting to see in the next few years, which community platforms are still around two or three years from now. It's also going to be really impactful to see um, how people are valuing the communities that they're in. Are they paying to subscribe to a community or is it more valuable to be a part of a community that isn't charged for monetarily, but they're getting something else out of it? And what is the course, what does it look like for these course creators and, and how does that pan out? Because there's a lot of platforms that are cut excuse me, that are coming out with course and community together. So I think these are really interesting times for us as community builders. I'm excited to see what's happening in the community space. And uh, until the next time, I hope you're finding calm. Please let me know if you found this episode valuable. And I'm curious to think what, to know what your thoughts are. <clears throat> Shoot me an email. Support the book creator to community builder. Uh, I'm doing a crowdfunding campaign. You'll hear about that shortly. Thanks. Take care. Till the next time. I hope you're finding calm. Bye. Hey, this is Deb Shaw, and I am super so psyched to let you know I am writing a book. Big deal. I know. Maybe it's not for you, but for me, it's a big deal. And guess what? I'm writing this book for you because honestly, as a new community builder two years ago in 2020, I had no idea what I was doing and I really got really confused easily. So I'm going to simplify things for you. But what I need from you right now is to actually help me make this book possible. And so you can support me with a crowdfunding campaign that I'm running through iFundWoman. I'm going to have a link in the show notes. Please support me. This this is running from September 1st through the end of October. So I'm really hoping to reach my goal uh, to be able to write this work style book. It's going to have worksheets. It's going to have templates. It's going to be something that you can actually use today. It's not a course that you have to take for four weeks. It's not um, a, a big book that's not going to give you actionable steps. You're going to be able to take action the same day that you read the book. I'm super excited about this. I've had lots of feedback from clients that this is what they want. This is what they need. So I'm putting it together and uh, I hope you can support me with it. And I hope it 
I hope it's going to help you. So let me know. Uh, please uh, check out the show notes for that link to the I Fund Woman crowdfunding campaign for the new book I'm writing. It's called Creator to Community Builder. I'm so excited. Thanks for helping me if you've already donated. <laughs>